the Saturday Show. I'm Jay Catch. He's Adrian Leiser. We are your hosts here on the Saturday Show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Live today at Stockton 12 Honda, 10860 South State Street in Sandy at the Utah Auto Mall. Come on by. We've got plenty of jazz swag for you guys if you want to stop by and pick some of that up. And Adrian, right now Stockton 12, they're in urgent need of cars. And I think a lot of people, when they think, okay, I'm not, I don't want to bring my car and have to sit around all day. They'll do it in less than 30 minutes. Get your free appraisal done in 30 minutes That's or less. That's easy. Yeah. That's fantastic. You can come in and check out their great lineup of cars. Um, some great deals right now as well. Get more money for your trade in. You have a 2019 Honda Passport up to $4,000 off MSRP if you mention who sent you. And that would be Jay Catch and Adrian Leiser. That would be from, us. From the Saturday show on the Zone Sports Network. Just mm-hmm. tell them Jake and Adrian sent you. They'll take care of you. You also can get the two Hondas for just $12 a day. That deal has been going for quite a while now. But it's obvious that why they'd keep doing it mm-hmm. because it's just the – best deal out there plain and simple so come on by guys check it out you also can buy any car online at stockton 12 honda.com love to have you guys come on by say hi before we're out here at four o'clock yep definitely and uh stay tuned on the zone source network because the movie zone will take place after this after jake and i are done i'll get up to the studio and hang out with austin the next hour uh let's continue a little bit of a college football conversation as matt brown from sb nation longtime friend of the station i remember getting him on on uh, way back in the day when it was BYU show, Tudor Sports. Yeah, that was yeah. a yeah. So uh, Matt's been, he does a great job over at SB Nation. He's now an editor over there, and he was on with one David thing. James. And one thing about uh, Matt, he's actually started a new newsletter. If you are a college football fan, and I am, I, I I'm a sucker for it. It's called Extra Points with Matt Brown. You can subscribe to it; it's free. He sends it out once, twice a week with just kind of stuff he's written about about college football. Great insight. Yeah, he, uh, he wrote a book, too. Yes, he did. Uh, which was interesting. It was like the biggest what-ifs in I have, college football. I have an autographed edition. Do you? I do. It's a cool book. It is a cool book. Like kind of what if this had happened, what yes. would happen here. So uh-huh. anyway, interesting stuff. And here's uh, what Matt Brown had to, sh- had to say on uh, DJ and PK earlier this week. Time to talk college football with Matt Brown from SB Nation. And he's got the newsletter Extra Points out as well. He joins us. On the Sprint special guest line, get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Matt, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So we are very curious about this. There has been a ton of hype for the Utes. We're all expecting them to be picked first in the South. We're seeing preseason stuff from national riders, not local homers who know a big season makes our lives better and easier, which it does. <laughs> But from national riders who really don't seem to have any skin in the game, ranking them 8th, 12th, 13th, are the Utes really one of the top 15 teams in the country? Uh, you know, probably, I, I think. You know, I was, I was just looking at this. It, it's been a while since there's been this much preseason hype around the team, and I think part of that is a function of what's happening right now with the rest of the conference. I mean, you kind of know – what kind of football you're getting with Utah and, and really to, to their credit, you know, for, for a team that, that isn't loaded with the same level of like blue chip recruits that like an Oregon or a Washington or USC is, they've managed to keep their program floor uh, so high. And so, you know, this, this year they're coming in and this is the perfect opportunity. I think the gap between them and everybody else in their division is really significant. And that's just going to lead to a lot of wins. Um, they, their, their conference schedule and their out-of-conference schedule line up pretty well. Uh, there's some reason for optimism that their offense could take another little, another little step forward. Um, I, I don't know if – I definitely think they're the overwhelming Pac-12 South favorite 
And if you wanted to tell me they, you know, they should be ranked anywhere from seven to 14, I wouldn't argue with you. Like there, there's, there's the hype around the program right now, I think is justified. So I guess the big red flag that's out there, there's probably a couple of them, but one is the health of the quarterback, Tyler Huntley. He's been hurt both years. I think you can count on him to play about nine games. I don't know that you can count on him to play more than that. And so with these missed games, then it's like, what are you doing with a backup? Your backup's a sophomore. You only got to play last year. And he beat the bad teams, and you can even argue the mediocre teams. But against the best teams, you know, as a freshman, he wasn't good enough. Does that worry you, or is that literally everybody's worried about their backup quarterback, so it doesn't matter? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like everybody is getting is much more worried about their backup quarterback than maybe they were a couple of years ago because it's become so much harder to really build and maintain depth at that position because if you're recruiting really good quarterbacks and you can only play one of them, it's easier for them to transfer than ever before. I mean, that's that's kind of been the story. Uh, throughout most teams in this league that have been able to bring in multiple good guys. Uh, Utah lost a, a potentially really good quarterback to, to Indiana. Washington starting a transfer. I feel like at least a third of the conference either lost one or gained one. So the, the thing that I like about Utah, uh, I mean, like you're, you're right. That is a, a cause for some concern. But when you have, uh, one, an offensive line that is so much bigger, like physically bigger, and in a conference where a lot, a lot of these teams are not starting defensive tackles or defensive ends that are the same size as you might see in the South or East, that that provides such a physical mismatch. And we, you know that the defense is going to be consistently good, it's going to be consistently disruptive, and will keep you from having to really play from behind. So, sure, I mean, is Utah probably going to have to win uh, a 17-13 just abominable game to watch in conference this year? Yes. But I think this is a team that's probably more equipped to win that kind of game than maybe Oregon is, certainly more than USC is or some other teams in this league. There it is. You used the three magic letters, so I'm going to go right there now. USC, Utah and BYU both playing, both playing pretty early in the year, and USC has just six it just looks like six brutal games right out of the gate with Notre Dame early on the yeah. schedule, Fresno State in the opener. Stanford, the conference opener, is the second game. I think BYU's the third. They just keep coming. After six games, how many losses will SC have? And will we already be talking about Clay Hilton's job, or will he already be gone? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about Clay Hilton's job now. We've been talking about Clay Hilton's job for, for two years, I think. You know, anything less than, than – than five wins in, in that beginning, even though you're right, the schedule is brutal. That conversation is going to continue. And, and for me, I feel like the, the biggest variable there isn't so much what happens with him on the field as it is what happens with USC off the field, because that entire university, including their athletic department, uh, is, is uh, struggling for quality leadership at the moment. There's a lot of things going on. And I, I think the question is more about you know, can we, can we get the right money? Are we going to trust our current athletic director to be the one to make this decision or make the next hire? What's going to go on at the presidential level? Um, I would be very surprised if he's still there at the end of this season because I don't really see how the, the parts on this roster all kind of match up to what they want to do offensively and the expectations are so high. But what, you know, when exactly that, high, that fire happens, you know, may not necessarily be just because of what happens on the football field. How far away are UCLA from having a good team and a good program? Because that was a big, splashy hire, but they're nowhere near where his Oregon teams were. Man, I, I, I think they're pretty far. You know, one of the things that's really 
um, surprised me about you know Kelly coming coming back to, to UCLA here was over the last season they recruited like a Mountain West program. They they were as selective with their scholarship offers as Stanford or almost like a service academy, with, with despite not being either of those things. And then what happened is the, the, the caliber of player that they were getting was nowhere near uh, what it has been over the last decade. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that UCLA grabbed the top recruit in the country. You know, he's since transferred away, and they were competitive uh, for the, you know, the top 20, top 30 kids in the state. And now they're, they're going after some guys that are, you know, BYU caliber of recruits, Boise State caliber of recruits. And you know, that, that just kind of nullifies your entire advantage. If you can't recruit at a blue-chip ratio level, if you're not bringing in as many four-stars as you are three-stars, then, like, well, what, what's, what's the whole point of UCLA? Like, that's, that's the, the thing that you – your only real pathway to being a consistently strong program is to be able to out-talent some of the teams in your division, and they're not doing that at all. One of the other things that, that made Kelly so successful at Oregon – was that he was not just a, gr- a great schematic innovator, but was really one of the pioneers for, you know, medical technology and data collection technology and some of these off-the-field things that have now become really standardized in college football, and that advantage isn't there anymore. So, I, I mean, I, I look at this team, and I think this team is probably going to lose to Cincinnati again. They're probably going to be better, but I'm not really seeing the pathway for them to become you know, a perennial, you know, nine win, you know, you know, compete for a division title kind of program. And I think that's what this administration is paying for. And that's what this fan base wants. I'm going to assume that my Twitter mentions are blowing up right now with Utah and Utah state fans who want me to follow up on that comment. They're recruiting like a mountain West school, like BYU, like Boise state. I'm not going to check my Twitter mentions. I'm just going to go with that. Okay. That's just my kind of gut instinct here. It's not, not my first week in the Utah radio market. Oh no! What? I, I I I get this every time I you mention one yeah, mention yeah. a program in the state. Too. Yeah. Okay. So, what do you believe BYU has been recruiting like, and it is it equipped them to play Utah at home at Tennessee, home to USC, and home to Washington in their first four games, and know full well they still have to go to South Florida and Utah State, sandwiched around a home game with Boise State. No, it's it's not it's not nearly good enough, and I, I feel like this has been the, the biggest difference between how I and maybe some of my colleagues view this program, and, and maybe how it's viewed a little bit locally. Because I think we, we look at recruiting a little bit differently. Like obviously, recruiting at BYU is this completely different beast. You're going to have a you know a half to a third of your kids not show up for two years or take a break for a while, and obviously your your, your candidate pool is very limited. So you have to be really good at talent development, and that's all true. But when you line up against Tennessee or Arizona, or not not Arizona, because like that's that's a bad example. You know, Tennessee. I mean, you, you know, USC, Washington. Um, you know, some of these, these big name programs here, like it doesn't matter what you know what, what your kid's ACT score was, or whether they had to go on a mission, or what their you know all these difficulties are. You have to go against kids who are projected to play in the NFL, and you don't have those guys. And if you don't have enough of those guys then you either need to completely avoid injuries or you need to be running an offensive or defensive scheme that is specifically built to maximize um, or, to, or to minimize the talent advantage. You know, that's what BYU did really successfully in the 80s. Uh, that's what a lot of teams did in kind of the middle part of this decade with the air raid or what team, or even what, what Mendenhall did by, by trying to maximize tempo, you know, even to, to mix results. And I look at this BYU team, and I don't see them really doing anything like that. And they're going to be playing against more than half the teams on their schedule who have better players than they are. And they're going to win some of those games. But if you want to win more than seven, you need better players. 
and you know, I, my understanding was that part of the the excitement and the appeal of of Kalani and this coaching administration was that they were going to elevate the talent level at the school. And I think you can recruit better than the mid sixties at BYU, and they're not doing it right now. And until they do, I think the ceiling of their program with this schedule is low. Matt Brown joining us. SB Nation, Rice College Football, has a newsletter, Extra Points, keeping people up to date on what's going on. So Gary Anderson leaves Utah, goes back to Utah State. He had success there before he went on the world tour to Wisconsin, to uh, Oregon State, (laughs) and then back. Second acts, there's been a lot talked about, a lot written about locally, looking at how coaches do when they go back a second time. What are your expectations for him in the Aggie program now that he's on his, uh, his second tour of duty? Yeah, it, it, it is strange, right? Like my, my colleague, I guess former colleague, uh, Bill Connolly wrote about this a lot earlier this offseason and kind of looked at all of the coaches that have come back. And the track record historically isn't great. You, you typically aren't able to, excuse me, replicate the same level of success that you had before. And, you know, obviously they're all different situations, I was a little bit surprised that Utah State went in this direction. I think, given who, you know who they who they have returning a, a great quarterback, they, you know some really interesting defensive pieces, it would have been attractive for a bunch of different coaching candidates. Um, I look at this team and think that they should be pretty good this season. You know, a, probably a top forty caliber team. You know, one, one of the three or four best teams in the Mountain West, and they're going to be fun to watch. You know, if uh, I would encourage my my colleagues here in, in uh, the Central Time Zone or out east to you know stay up once or twice to try to watch them. The sustainability is difficult, but I mean, I think that would be difficult no matter who the coach is because your your budget is so much smaller. Um, even than some of the other teams w- within that league. There, there's a reason that they weren't – this is a, a school that didn't really sustain success for decades, you know, really until, until Anderson came back in there. And so I always kind of assume that teams will eventually go back to their historical median after really good coaches. You know, so th- this year it should be great. My long-term expectations are more measured given, you know, what's happened before, but you know, maybe you can prove me wrong. San Diego State started fast finished slow, and they are playing both BYU at the end of the year and Utah State in a conference game. Uh, who are they really? Because that 6-1 and one start looked good, but they finished 7-5. and five. They lost – well, actually finished 7-6 and six when they lost a bowl game. They lost five of their last six games. Yeah, I feel like they are probably one of the most like nationally unknown, consistently pretty good football programs because – out where I am and out where a lot of the people are that writing, like they're almost impossible to watch. Like they, they, they might be the team that, that's the most, the, the damage the most by, by East Coast bias, even though they've been like kind of perennially this top 50 team. I'm thinking about it like, man, I think I've only watched them like three or, <laughs> three or four times recently. Like you, you know exactly what you're going to get. Like you're going to get a running back that's going to get like a bajillion carries and uh, a, a quarter a passing gameplay that's not going to be especially explosive but reasonably efficient and and I think we've seen that kind of system become slightly less effective um, over the over the past couple of seasons and so it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to turn it around like the, the thing that they benefit from I think is that the schedule's not terribly difficult you know uh, they might actually be able to, to beat UCLA on the road I think that that's probably kind of a, a toss-up game here and I'm not sure um, if there's too many within conference play that are going to be insurmountable, so you're probably looking at a team that's going to win at least another seven or eight games. But if you're, I don't know what about this team on paper that screams that they're going to be enormously better than the last three or four. 
Is Urban Meyer done coaching, or if something were to blow up at USC, would he come riding in on, oh, I don't know, a white horse, just to coin a phrase? <laughs> you know, I, I, this, this is something that, you know, maybe you play back in two years, and I'm going to look really stupid. But I, 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 honest, I honestly got to think he's done. And I, I think a lot of the national voices that have kind of tied him to USC maybe um, – are forgetting a couple of things that made his success at Ohio State possible, right? Like I, the, I, I know that people like to go, you know, say that the health concerns were, were really, you know, imagined. And I, I'm somebody that that's followed him at Ohio State pretty closely, and you talked to a lot of people very close to that program. And he he was 100% actually sick. Um, part of the way that the reason that things were able to to work at, at in Columbus really as long as they were is because he had a pretty strong. Uh, infrastructure support system. The guy's from Ohio, and he, he cares a lot about that school. He's working at the school right now. He's, he's doing a bunch of leadership things throughout the campus that, have, that kind of helped somewhat mitigate the worst parts about Urban Meyer. And clearly, not enough because you know things fell apart there at the end. And the only other job that I can imagine that would be able to provide that for him would be Notre Dame. You know, if Brian Kelly goes to coach the Giants in a year or two, like absolutely, I, I think I think he could he could take a look at that. But then. But look at USC, which is far away from all those support structures, far away from places where mostly were from places where he recruited, you know, substantially for the, out of the last decade, um, at a place where their media attention is really high and the local support and the local leadership are very low. I don't, I don't really see that as a, as a very good fit. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Notre Dame, but, but I would imagine other coaches would jump at that job and be more successful and be more likely than he would. I'm interested to hear you say Notre Dame because I've always thought, based on the outs at his uh, in his Utah contract, Notre Dame, yeah, Ohio State, Michigan, that uh, and I mean based on his name Urban. I mean the guy's named after a pope, right? He, and yeah, based yeah, he's, on he's a very no- religious guy, right? And based on Notre Dame's place in the hierarchy of football, that somehow he was going to wind his way to Notre Dame. Now maybe not because that was a messy end at Ohio State after a messy end at Florida. And Notre Dame may decide we yeah. don't need that kind of mess, and maybe his health is that bad. But it's interesting you still threw it out there. All right, last thing before we let you go, Matt Brown, SB Nation College Football. Uh, America is bored by Alabama and Clemson. Uh, they may legitimately <laughs> be the best. It doesn't matter. We're simply we're bored by them. And in America, this is a whole separate rant, but I believe that boring people is actually the worst thing you can do. All kinds of people have committed all kinds of crimes. They've apologized. They've been rehabilitated. But you bore people, and we will not forgive you. Pete Sampras and Tim Duncan, all they did was win. Never caused not even an ounce of trouble. Man, they were boring, and that really irritated people. Are we going to be bored by this much longer? Are these are these two schools or these two coaches going to keep this thing humming along? Probably. I mean, like I I agree with you, right? And. I think that was honestly the biggest cardinal sin about Alabama because really until like last year was the first time that they really had a, a truly exciting offense. Their coach is not especially likable. Um, they had individual players, I think, that were likable, but they, they were not the same kind of entertaining juggernaut that like 95 Nebraska was or the, or the Steve Spurrier Gators or, or even some of the, you know, the USC when they were you know, just clubbing people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Clemson, I think, is more entertaining and it, it, it's unfortunate because this year I, I think there's some real vulnerabilities with this defense. I mean, when you graduate um, basically an NFL-caliber defensive line and they all leave, even if you're replacing them with five-star guys, there's almost always going to be some level of a step back. But they return almost everybody important on their offense, and uh, everyone else in the ACC sucks. Um, it's, it's unfortunate for America that kind of 
most of the rest of that conference took a step back right as they were hitting their juggernaut phase. So it's difficult to see where our losses. They're probably the single best playoff bet. Um, there's some question marks at Ohio State and at Michigan and at Oklahoma and at Texas and at Georgia. And other than that, it's hard for me to even see a playoff caliber team. So like, if you, if you tell me, are you going to take Clemson versus the field? Like, I'm always going to take the field. And there's plenty of teams in college football this year that are interesting and exciting and are worth your emotional investment. Would I assume both Clemson and Alabama are in the playoff again this year? Yeah. He's Matt Brown. He writes college football for SB Nation. He's got his Extra Points newsletter to keep you up to date on everything you need to know. Matt, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Have a great day, y'all. There you go. Matt Brown from SB Nation. Thank him for taking the time to join DJ. And some interesting thoughts there. He thinks that the Aggies in particular running it back with Gary Anderson may not yield the results that Utah State fans are hoping and yearning for. There's a couple of things I want to get into with okay. what he said that uh, is really interesting. One thing that did caught my ear that I didn't think about. Um, so let's get into that next. Okay. College football coming up next year on the Saturday show. Welcome back to Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network, live from Stockton 12 Honda down here in Sandy, 10860 South Automall Drive. Get off that 106 South exit, and you can find us on the Automall. Really easy to find. Big blue building with the Honda H on it. they got the service center up and going. There's plenty of people here ready to help you get mm-hmm. into a new Honda. You can get the two Hondas for $12 a day, but if that's not your thing, you get a pre-owned certified car yep. out in their lot, and they've got a gigantic lot full of cars for you. Yeah, come on, check it out. They're, they're here to help you guys out. Make sure that your car situation is situated as good as you possibly can be. Um, we heard from uh, Matt Brown just there uh, from SB Nation. Mm-hmm. A couple of things, and Jake, you would know. The one thing I want to get into yeah. is I was talking about BYU and recruiting, mm-hmm. and he compared UCLA – to their recruiting like a Mountain West team or like a BYU team. Mm-hmm. Now, we got into it earlier about how they weren't getting some of these LDS players in. Yeah. But he brought up an interesting point, which I remember part of the narrative for when Kalani took the head coaching job at BYU is that mm-hmm. he is such a re- good recruiter and that he would be able to get the next tier of athlete into BYU. It was. It was a big part that of the was, conversation. That was. And I had kind of forgot about that till yeah. Matt had brought it up. Mm-hmm. But he brings it up. He says UCLA is recruiting at that level, and by that he means not at a very high level. Yeah. What did you make of his comment there? And is he right? Is he wrong? Is it little in between? Well, recruiting rankings are always going to be an inexact science. It's always going to be the case, but they still correlate to talent, plain and simple. And he he talked about the whole thing with UCLA because – Chip Kelly is a little unique in that Chip Kelly doesn't subscribe to recruiting rankings. He believes in his own evaluations of guys. So on paper, yeah, he's recruiting guys that are caliber of what BYU and Boise State are chasing, and he's not necessarily chasing the guys that USC, Alabama, Clemson are all chasing. Mm. And that causes some consternation with certain UCLA fans thinking, what's this guy doing? And he believes in that. If it pays off for him, great. We'll see what happens. I'm not convinced that it doesn't necessarily – result in his uh, be kind of a, being a middling coach with UCLA, but you never know. We'll see what happens there. But speaking of BYU, you heard Matt say there, BYU's been recruiting, he said, it in, mid, uh, in the middle of the pack, about the 60s in terms of rankings. Mm-hmm. He said he believes BYU can recruit at a higher level. 
K. I would like to think BYU could do that because we talked about the fact that those four players that BYU had recruited who are members of the church are playing at four different programs around the country, but none of them are in Provo. That would be nice to aspire that BYU could do that, but there are a couple of things working against a guy like Kalani Satake because I do believe that Kalani is a good recruiter. I believe his staff is good at identifying talent, especially early on in the process and offering those guys. The problem is the academic standards at BYU, the honor code, and those are two big bugaboos when it comes to recruiting for BYU right now. You have to have guys who are standout academically and are willing to put up with what the honor code asks of them in their daily lives to come to BYU. And I think that's two things that uh, Kalani, I don't know, think, I, I, I refuse to say that Kalani didn't realize it because he played at BYU. It's always a program mm-hmm. he's rooted for growing up, so he was well aware of it. I'm not 100% sure that he went in uh, understanding to what magnitude in particular the academics would play in this. Well, and you hear all the time, well, Lavelle got all these guys in. Well, that's not the case anymore. It's a different era. Completely different era now. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what he... I think maybe thought I don't know I don't want to I, I, pretend yeah, to know exactly. what I, but there's I think there was part of it in that that he he maybe didn't necessarily uh, understand to what level the academic standards had imp- had increased at BYU because mm. I'm talking 20 years ago there are guys that got into BYU who are stars for BYU that this, in this day and age the academic department at BYU would say nope yeah and for that's sure. unfortunate and. Here's the thing. I understand BYU wants to be a top-tier academic institution. No problem with that. I completely understand it. But when you are being arbitrary about your football program in particular, and there are other athletic programs at BYU that I can speak to as well that have the same issue, Mm -hmm. when they are trying to get an athlete in and asking for an exemption in this one player, and they're going to bat for an athlete saying, we believe this kid, yes, his grades and his academic progress here in high school may not be top level and may not meet the minimum threshold that you guys want, but we're going to vouch for him. And the academics, the people at BYU say, yeah, I don't care. He's not getting in. That's Which not, is the prog above that it is, of the admissions department. But there are other times they make exceptions. So I'm, yeah. I'm not sure that that it's a hard and fast rule one way or the other. So I don't know where the happy medium lies for BYU. But I think that the recruiting in this day and age for BYU has become even harder than it was during even Bronco Mendenhall's tenure and Lavelle Edwards' tenure. I think it's become a situation where – it's going to be an uphill climb for Kalani, and I give him credit. He's recruited some good athletes to BYU. I think this year's squad is one of the most well-rounded BYU mm-hmm. football teams since the mid-2000s. That's mm-hmm. my honest opinion. I think this team has got talent everywhere on the field. may not have the depth that you would ideally like for a program that's aspiring to be a Power 5 team, but it is, uh, it is one of the most well-rounded in terms of overall talent, in my mind, along their front line. A team like Utah is much deeper than BYU. Yeah. The twos and the threes at Utah will beat the twos and threes at BYU right now. I have no qualms saying that. And some of the ones, to be honest. And some of the ones, probably. Yeah. But across the board, the ones versus ones, I think BYU can compete favor- favorably. But it's when those guys need a rest and your mm-hmm. twos and threes have to come in, that's when BYU feel, feel like gets gets a little run over in, in that regard. So. I don't know where the perfect answer lies for Kalani or if he ever will be able to come up with a perfect answer and get the type of talent that BYU fans hoped that he could bring when he first showed up at BYU. 
but I think he's he's on a good track in terms of identifying talent. Now he's got to convert some of those guys into being stars and being difference makers for them. Another thing talked about was uh, Utah State and how, you know, the old saying, who says you can't come home again? Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary Anderson heads back to Utah State. Uh, I I think it's going to be hard to capture the same magic, but if there's a place to do it, mm-hmm. it might be at the level of, like, the G5 level. Because yeah. I think uh, maybe it's hard to find success when you head back to a P5 school. Like, mm-hmm. say, if Mac Brown was at Texas again, he might yeah. not be able to win all but he's been out back in North Carolina where right. he came from originally. Yeah, so. so maybe Gary can find some of that magic again. I think it's going to be a harder year. I don't think – their win total is going to be representative of um, saying it's a bad season. So if they only win eight, nine games, I'm not going to say, boy, they really let me down based yeah. on last season because I think they've got a harder schedule they do. and a less uh, team with a lot, of, a lot more question marks coming back into this season. Yeah, I, I look at what Utah State is doing here, and Bill Connolly, is he, as Matt Brown referenced to, if you want to listen to that interview once again, you can go to 1280thezone.com and listen to it. He referenced that Bill Connolly, who was at SB Nation, now just moved over to ESPN. He's a great analytics mind when it comes to college football. Wrote about kind of the history of guys going back to programs they came from. Mm-hmm. And the track record is not great. But I'm with you. If it's going to be the most successful it can be, it's probably at the G5 level where mm-hmm. Gary competes at. Gary has a couple of things in his back pocket that I think a lot of people nationally may not um, realize. He understands Utah. He understands the state, the, the, at the caliber of athlete coming out of this state. He is going to comb this state for talent and build his teams on the backbone of Utah talent. Programs like BYU and Utah may pass over a kid that he's going to take at Utah State, put some time into developing him, and hope it pays off. And he's really he's loved here where yes, he is. I think his reputation took a bit of a hit. Oh, it took a massive hit. For, yeah, I'm Both putting that lightly. With the or- Oregon State and even the Wisconsin, I think a little. I think there's nationally there's a little bit of a hit, but here uh-huh. I think it's easier for people to overlook that. Yeah, I think Oregon State, uh, in all reality, Utah State might be the only program that would hire him as a head coach so soon after what happened at Oregon State. Yes, I agree. And But he's going to have to, if, if it pays off again and he leads Utah State back to 10 win seasons on a semi-regular clip, well, that's who's to say that's not him repeating the success he had? Mm-hmm. It's just the track record of guys going back to programs they came from, the empirical evidence, the statistics bear out that normally that second run does not go as good as the first run. Here's hoping that Gary bucks that trend and is much better in the second run. Yeah, it's hard to recapture magic. Yeah, it, it, it's tough. But like I said, Gary's got a few things in his back pocket. He mm-hmm. understands the state. He understands the talent he can mine out of here. He does a good job about getting other talent from other parts of the country, speaking of Florida and California and Arizona. If he continues to do that and kind of sticks to his formula that he had for success at uh, at Utah State before, I think it can be successful once again. It's just a matter of getting the right guys at the right times because if you don't have talent, it's hard to win in this in any sport, especially in college football. Yep, especially when the gap continues oh, to grow yeah. between the the money and the not as much money. Mm-hmm, yeah, there's a lot of money in college football. <laughs> But there's definitely more in some places oh, than others. Oh, yeah, there is. All right, coming up on the other side, we're going to wrap things up here from Stockton 12 Honda. We'll tell you about some of the deals they've got as we uh, wrap things up. But they will be open for the next little while, so we want to make sure you head in. One thing before we go. Jake is giving me a pause sign. 
Uh, the Jazz, the game just ended in their summer league. So their summer league is over. They lost 84-74 to to the Charlotte Hornets. George King ended up with 20 points to lead Utah in the loss. Mieoni only had four, but he was uh, nursing a back injury. So He's been impressive in he's Vegas. Been, he's been pretty good. We talked with, was it Locke last week? I asked him about, no, it was um, not Locke. It was uh, Eric, Eric Walden. Walden. I asked him about Mieoni. He's got a unique story. He's a late bloomer. I'm really wondering if they can pull something out of him over the next couple of years. So, uh, decent showing for Utah in summer league. It is over now, and now we await training camp and maybe a couple more signings over the next oh, couple man. of weeks. Uh, remember Nigel Williams-Goss mm-hmm. uh, signing with the Jazz today on a three-year deal. Yes. The Gonzaga product heading back to Salt Lake after they drafted him in 2017. Mm-hmm. Spent a couple of years overseas, and he will be back in the program. All right, wrapping things up next here on the Saturday Show. Welcome back to Saturday Show. Wrapping things up here from Stockton 12 Honda. Tell you real quick what's going on with them. But first, Jake, somebody losing money? Yeah, so the Green Bay Packers, of course, are... Um, owned by the community and stockholders there in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Well, they have reported a profit of just $724,000 in their latest fiscal year. Uh, That includes their second consecutive season without a playoff appearance, a large contract extension for quarterback Aaron Rodgers, and a change in head coach Mike McCarthy to Matt LaFleur. Well, that profit of $724,000 is down 97.9% from the $34.1 million they earned in March 2018 and down more than 99% from the record $75 million in the previous fiscal year before that. Woof. I understand there's there's issues going on here, quarterbacks, like the the contracts and whatnot, but it's just incredible to see your profits go from seventy five million dollars to just seven hundred thousand dollars. But kind of an interesting note coming out from the Packers. They'll be making plenty of money. They always do. It's the NFL. It prints money, but kind of surprising to see that number go ninety nine percent from ni- from seventy five million dollars to seven hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it's very and it's because uh, they're the publicly traded team. Well, it's it's the team that people get most of their information from because their stuff is public records. Right. We usually get the the way that. NFL reporters find out about how much teams make in terms of like the NFL contracts and whatnot with their TV deals is because they get the information from Green Bay and it's one thirty second, so you can mm-hmm. just do the math and you can get those numbers. Yeah, kind of funny. Um, we're here, starting to a Honda, about to make way for the movie zone with mm-hmm. Austin and myself. We'll talk about the poll question coming up shortly, but Stockton Twelve Honda really easy to find. One zero eight six zero South Auto Mall Drive. Get off that 106 South exit. Stop by. Say hi to these guys. They want to get you into a Honda. You get a 2019 Civic for $5 a day. The Accord and the HRV for $6 a day. There's a nice new HRV right in front of us. Uh, you can get the CRV for $8 a day. And also, if you want that Honda Passport and you want 4, 4K off the MSRP, if you just mentioned that we sent you, yeah, they'll knock 4000 off MSRP. So uh, make sure you get in for that. Uh, you can also come in and see the giant selection of certified pre-owned Hondas, which they want to get your car to trade in and put out on the lot. And if you come in, they can get appraisal done in just 30 minutes. So. Yeah, a lot of people don't want to hang around a car car dealership. I understand that. It's it's not the most fun environment to be hanging out in, but if you can get 30 minutes, yeah. do it. Get in and out. Yeah. They'll give you more for your trade-in. 
Uh, you can also check out everything they've got going at Stockton12Honda.com. All right, the Movie Zone's coming up next, and we ask the people, what is your favorite bad movie that you love watching? Did you use my suggestion? I don't remember, probably. It's called Kung Fu Dunk. It's Kung Fu Dunk. Movie made in Taiwan, mid-2000s. I don't think anyone has ever seen that movie other than you. Probably not. There's a couple of people I know that have seen it because they were with me when we saw it. Yes. It is, it is just When you were abroad for a couple of years? No, I actually saw it when I got back, like oh. shortly after I got okay. back. But okay. crazy... Awful cinematography, but just crazy fun at the same time. It mixes kung fu, as you by the title, kung fu and basketball. Just think of that. I saw, yeah, there was one for Shaolin soccer, which is the same thing. I've heard of Shaolin soccer too. Yes, yeah. So it, it let's put it this way: not great cinematography, but still a lot of fun. But fun and worth watching. Oh, you know, yes. I actually watched last night one that I uh, find as a terrible good movie, and that's A Knight's Tale. Oh, yeah, that's true. Most people think it's a bad movie. It is a bad movie, but I enjoy watching it. It's one of my favorites. I, I miss Heath it. Ledger. Rest in peace. Yes. Uh, got, got, gone way too soon. Yeah. Holy so uh, make sure to stay around on the Zone Sports Network right here. Coming up next as uh, Austin and I will have the movie zone for you. That's going to do it for us, for Zach here, for Alex back in the studios, for Jake Hatch. Mm-hmm. I'm Adrian Lizer. Make sure you check out the Zone all week long, 6A to 7P, DJ and PK, Tony and Austin mm-hmm. Hanson. And the big show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Uh, make sure you listen to podcast everything individually on the new podcast feed. Uh, it's pretty easy to figure out once you get it. You can get all your favorite shows right in there. So uh, big thanks to everyone here at Stockton 12 Honda. And uh, that'll do it for us here on the Zone Sports Network.